Hey everybody. Well, in typical flail forward fashion, uh, this episode was plagued with, I don't know, solar flares or something. Audio issues up the wazoo. We lost uh, the first mm, five or ten minutes of the podcast. And then towards the end, stuff started cutting out, cutting out and dropping. So uh, we did our best to edit around that. Uh, it's pretty good, still. Nathan was a great guest. Uh, so I encourage you to listen to it. He has some really great things to say about uh, his two games and historical uh, gaming in general. And layout. We got to layout. Uh, I'm going to introduce the episode right now So uh, to replace the uh, chunk we lost. Hey, welcome to another episode of Flail Forward. This is Rob here. I have with me tonight Catrice, Mark, Cavoir, and Nathan Pauletta, author of the recent RPG Imp of the Perverse. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Nathan. Oh, well, thank you so much for uh, reaching out and, and having me on. I'm uh, always excited to talk about weird game stuff. So, Oh, well, then you're in the right place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, I, I found Imp of the Perverse in my um, local game store. And oh, awesome. I, I, I remembered seeing it on Kickstarter, like, it, you know, in the, you know, the, the run of stuff you, you the, scroll through. The long ago time. Yeah, long ago time. <laughs> and I saw the book and I was like, oh man, that's a, that's a sexy looking book. Um, it's nice cover, cloth cover. And uh, that always, I always like, you know, that's something I really like. And so um, I grabbed it and then I was like, oh, I remember that this guy wrote Carrie which is a game I like because there was um, uh, the book, The Things They Carry by Tim, uh, Tim O'Brien. Is that right? Yes. yes. And um, that was, I mean, it was a great book about the Vietnam. war but it was such an interesting book because it put you in the mind of the people who were there from from their perspective in a sense and um the the game carry does tries to do that same thing through its gameplay and that was something really interesting to me so i grabbed Imp of the perverse and i'm looking at and it's set in jacksonian america mm -hmm. of all the periods in history you could set like basically uh the exorcist mm -hmm. i mean more or less uh jacksonian america was like sure. this is okay i'm on i'm on board mm -hmm. so I, I was wondering what what was the impetus for for the jacksonian america i mean it's a rich period in american history but it's sort of untapped as well so what what brought you there uh yeah so well first of all thanks for picking it up that's uh it's 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 great to hear the system working, um, yeah. you know, seeing a thing in a store. Doesn't that We're sound counting on it sometimes? Yeah. Um, but uh, no, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, so the um, the setting really grew out of the concept because it just being super literal about it, basically, because um, the original concept for the game 
you know, centered around this, uh, this, um, the balance of trying to preserve, you know, humanity in the face of this uh, affliction that is uh, compelling you to do these terrible things. Um, And that's coming straight out of Poe fiction, um, kind of, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, my original inspiration, something I like, something I've I've read a decent amount of. Um, And so his uh, lifespan essentially is, uh, uh, I am a bad historian and don't have the dates off the top of my head, but he, he, um, the bulk of his work was published in the 1830s and 40s. Uh, He died in the 1840s. Uh, one maybe uh, I forget exactly it's in the book um, but anyway that was so that was uh, the time that he was writing and he was writing um, fantastical fiction but it was kind of in the context of his own life which was very troubling and and uh, uh, had a lot of um, very sad aspects to it um, but uh, it's it's coming from his world, right? And so when I started kind of looking into that world just as the context for setting this game, because I didn't, uh, I I wanted to have some of that flavor, some of those trappings at the very least, right? It's not a, oh, set this game anywhere um, kind of game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as I started looking at the history, it just felt as you said, untapped, like it's this period that isn't a genre period, um, right? It's kind of a lot of the time when you're playing, you can kind of key into like Victorian kind of. Um, That's Mm -hmm. kind of what a lot of kind of genre stuff is in. And that's close, but that's later in the century. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, then there's like the American Revolutionary War. uh, There's the uh, American Civil War. And then this is kind of like smack dab in the middle of this period that was actually very tumultuous, very weird, but not a, uh, not one that there's like lots of games about. So right. the, the, so that all kind of like worked together for me as my original inspiration for the game, feeding into doing some historical research, feeding into more inspiration for the game and finding a lot of juice in rooting uh, characters in that period. Hmm. So for you, it was all about the rooting the characters? Yeah, that really pulled the game together for me. Uh, kind of, it was a long design process. I was working on this game for, by the time it came out, like uh, over 10 years or so, because um, I was flailing around a bit, uh, if you will, kind <laughs> of trying to get all the elements feeling right. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a horror game, right? Uh, it's It's the, and one, element of the horror is the the actions that are going to be happening in the game the plot and like the monsters because it's also a monster hunting game but um i found that uh really going to the period in terms of your characters are really of this time Mm -hmm. is what ends up creating uh the ends up creating the ability to to uh, play through normalcy. And then as the normalcy changes and you start getting more and more distant from your original life, your most human life, that's mm-hmm. that opens up uh, another venue for horror play. Uh, it's that the 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 difference, the dissolution of your connections to your human life. And those only matter if you 
as a player feel some kind of satisfying meet to the character and the people mm -hmm. that your character knows and the world they live in. Um, so that was important to me to make that happen as a game design issue. And like how I found a way to make that happen was really digging deep into the history and pulling little details and figuring out kind of all these different kind of spheres that people would be in and kind of formula making a formula for how you make characters that pulls in a lot of those historical kind of facts. Wow. So you're, you're really playing off the idea of the like temporal dissonance, creating this like setting dissonance, I guess, in general, and that being sort of a driving force for weirdness. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Oh, well, what do you mean by temporal dissonance? So you're saying the the more removed uh, I am as a player from my character in a way that um, the, the things I'm experiencing are set in a time that is foreign from my own day-to-day -day life, mm -hmm. the more open I am to being, uh, to stretching my imagination to the, the weird and the uh, supernatural? I mean, I think that's certainly a part of it uh, because, you know, because it is fiction. Like, it's not historical in the sense of, like, mm -hmm. you're playing a real person and here's how your real life is. Um, that yeah. remove of it being that far in the past, I think, is uh, is a big element, as you say, to, like, risk-taking, right? Um, to kind mm -hmm. of letting, letting things kind of uh, uh, fulfill whatever promise they might have. Um, but then uh, in the actual fiction of the game, in the actual like uh, uh, stories that you are going to generate through play, um, the, the, the effect of embracing the power that the imp offers you, which is like the temptation mm -hmm. part, um, as you indulge in those moments, that is what pulls you farther away from uh, your family, uh, your job, the people that help you out when you're in a jam. Um, those are all like, th those are all resources that start to drain away as you um, get more and more weird, basically. Mm -hmm. And so that gulf is where some of the like, if you're like, you know, a very in character person and you're kind of uh, uh, playing with a strong uh, in your character's skin kind of approach, mm -hmm. um, that's where you know, a lot of the horror comes in, you're changing uh, and everything you knew is is no longer there the way you thought it was. And so that's one venue for the horror. Cool. Hmm. So talking about this, the, 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 the world in which you're setting it, um, there's a lot of stuff happening in that era that's uh, of a sensitive nature. How do you navigate that when you're doing a historical setting? Um, well, I'll tell you how I navigate it, which is not a like, here's the only way or even the best way. Uh, mm -hmm. Not that I would say that my way is ever the best way, but um, how I chose to approach it for this game uh, mm -hmm. was basically to say that while the uh, the horror of the game comes from the characters that you're playing. Mm -hmm. uh, there are also actual horrors in the world. Um, and if you want to include those as context for your characters, like 
there's no reason you can't or shouldn't um, mm -hmm. as long as you kind of know what you're getting yourself into. Uh, but I also did not want to elide the reality of the era. So specifically, right, uh, the um, uh, uh, slavery is endemic to this period of history. I, it's one of those things where going down the hole of doing the actual kind of historical research is just so... Is you just can't get away. You, you, as Americans, we cannot get away from the legacy of slavery and how it's shaped our history. Like we just can't. It's just part of our fabric. Um, and I think we need to deal with that as opposed to try and pretend like everything is better now. So, in this game, you know, it, it, uh, when I'm giving, so part of the you know the game, the book, it's, it has all the you know rules, right? And there's a game. There's rules. You do do stuff uh and then there's also the um the historical kind of setting stuff i kind of present as a series of kind of hopefully not too dreary uh kind of short monographs about different aspects of the history um both geographical and then kind of things going on uh over this period of 20 years mm -hmm. and uh so i talk about slavery where it is relevant which is in most places um in one way or another right. uh yeah. because that's in one way like that is the fact of the time if you are playing a character of a certain social class in a southern state uh you are playing a character who you your individual character it's up to you do you have slaves you can say no you don't have to like there's nothing in the game that's like you have mm -hmm. to be a bad person in this way uh right. you you get to be a bad person in the way you choose and the game is about struggling against that um, that problem you have. Uh, but it is like, you need to be aware that everyone else around you, if you're playing with kind of the, uh, um, one of the things that, it, uh, one of the directives of the game, one of the agendas is kind of uh, play the, um, uh, play the, the, the darkness honestly, essentially. Like, um, so, playing the darkness of the people around you honestly kind of asks you to encounter people who do, you know, have slaves or are terrible um, in other ways. So that's in the book because it would be dishonest to pretend like it's not there, right. but there's nothing forcing you to deal with it. If you're like, this will be a shitty game for me if we're always dealing with this issue. Um, okay, yeah. Right. Like, that's not the point. Right, yeah. The point is not like, let me suck you into a particular brand of misery because <laughs> that's not fun <laughs> for anyone. Um, so I just try to do a, my due diligence in terms of doing research and also having um, uh, some readers uh, with knowledge of the period and who also are um, African-American do a, a, a read to give me feedback about how I'm talking about it and kind of catch me on my blind spots. Um, mm -hmm. So I felt like that was the least I could do. Uh, I'm not saying it's perfect, but I, I did want to make sure I talked about it kind of honestly. And that was important for this game. Right. Um, right. And there's a lot of other issues. Well, that I'm, like slavery is like the, not the easy one, but like the, the biggest probably one just off the top of your head, but also like issues of American Indian removal and mm -hmm. um, 
issues of, uh, you know, gender dynamics in the period and like all those things are also, I tried to, you know, talk about them honestly. Mm -hmm. Well, that was also a period specifically, that was like right before the American Civil War. That was basically Mm -hmm. what led up to it. So you Mm -hmm. also had kind of good things at the same time, like they were aiming for greater rights for just everyone in general at the time that's kind of what led up to that being an issue in the first place so did you cover any of that or was that were you aiming mostly for the darker side of things because it's horror well i was trying to kind of touch on the grand all the 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 grand issues um so like i do talk about the abolitionist movement um and how you know that is that's a vector for play. Like being an abolitionist at this time is actually a very radical position, right? That really puts you outside the mainstream. And that's potentially an interesting place to, to play a character. Um, there's, I mean, it's a, it's immense technological change, immense economic change. There are a couple of depressions in here, but overall um, America is joining uh, the industrial revolution essentially and joining the world stage economically. Um, so, and there's this immense westward expansion, which comes with lots of problems, but also is this amazing burst of, um, of, of the, just the whole like American spirit, right? Like it's this whole, uh, 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 the eminent domain kind of feeling, which is a progressive feeling for a lot of people at the time, um, and is a, a, a land of new opportunity. If you're priced out of having a farm on the East Coast, you can go west and you can start a life. And there's all this land, like so. There's this. There are these like things of promise that are really exciting and that people are fighting over in the in the sense of what's the best way to shape all these wonderful things, all these wonderful new printing technologies, newspapers, the telegraph, railroads. Uh, digging canals, uh, like all these ways that we're connecting our people in ways we've never been connected before. Uh, and that's all like, there, there's a, I think I talk a little bit, there's like a fizz. There's like kind of a, this vigorous fizzing energy to a lot of the period that is, creates kind of, the, there's almost this nervous energy and that also creates the, the, the potential for, you know, darkness to grow in the cracks of these like, yeah. All these different people pushing against each other, trying out all these new things, for sure. So, how did that? How did that sort of stuff influence the mechanics at all? Um, so, the biggest, uh, the biggest place that influences the mechanics is in how you make characters, which is a uh, a very focused uh, life path system, essentially. Um, so, you you fill out a character survey to make your character. Um, and uh, that is you're you're picking options off a list and and filling out some you know specific things that you want your character to be able to do and and whatnot. But uh, all of the options that are on those surveys are intended to both demonstrate how people can kind of be uh, oriented against each other or with each other in the time mm-hmm. and also kind of teach you a little bit as a player about what you should expect for your character. Like, for example, every character starts with, you're going to start with a family. Your choice might be to have 
a minimal family in the sense that um, you choose maybe not to be married and not to have kids, but like you still have to make a choice about what kind of family you come from. You're of a family of some kind, right? So you start with a family, you start with skills, like job skills, you're in some arena of profession. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is going to inform who you can go to for help, who you can go to for resources, that kind of stuff. Uh, and you're going to be from somewhere in particular, uh, a city or a region. Um, and that is going to give you some kind of trait uh, uh, or, or resource. So like the all the choices on those surveys are um, growing, growing from some kind of inspiration from the period to kind of uh, uh, put you in the mind of someone who's in a web of social relations. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really the most pointed part of the mechanics, I think, where uh, all the all the research kind of comes together for this historical kind of uh, 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 context. So, so you were sort of using the uh, the surveys as like a uh, like a bootloader for yeah <laughs> the, the, for the rest mm-hmm. of the character stuff. So you did the players really don't have to sit down and read the book too, too thoroughly. That you sort of dump all that in the in the survey. Yeah, that's right. And it's kind of like a light. It's a I mean, I I I intended for it to be kind of a light touch. Um, right. It's not an extensive survey. Uh, you're the, the choices are important, but there are not a ton of them. So um, the goal is, yeah, to kind of get you in the mindset in, in, in a in the mindset that's going to serve you well. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some level of like, you're going to talk about uh, and this can be either just a choice in turn, because this is a GM'd game. The GM has a lot of power. Uh, they do lots of things, including creating the monster and their web of social relationships um, that they're slowly destroying just by their very nature. Um, and so you're going to pick a specific place you're in. Like, what city are you in? And then that's going to contextualize do your characters come from that city? Are they travelers who have come to that city? Like, so there's a little bit out of, you're not going from totally like, let's just pick up these pieces of paper and let's go. There's definitely a, um, uh, uh, you know, kind of like any game, there's a level of like, all right, so what are we doing here? <laughs> right? Like, mm-hmm. what's our yeah. premise? Like, what are right. we getting ourselves into? Are we going to be in Boston? Are we going to be out on the frontier? Are we going to be in New Orleans? Like, uh, and then from there, you're going to make your choices about your character. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then you're kind of off to the races. Uh, you don't, the, the idea is that you don't need to do like a bunch of research, but if you're interested, there's jumping off points from your character. Like, so what does a, like, so, so like, okay, I'm going to be this professional. Uh, I'll be a doctor. Sure. That sounds good. How do doctors work? Like what are, what's up with doctors in this, at this time? Maybe that's something that then you would look up in the book that, you know, I talk a little bit about, you know, I try to touch on most things that seem like obvious questions. Uh, I'm sure I didn't hit everything, but, and then it's also like, maybe you go and read Wikipedia for 10 minutes um, and that will spur some more juice for you as you, you know, look for, for other things to bring into your characterization. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's the goal. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a really interesting way of doing it. Yeah. One thing that you'd mentioned was like the idea of 
basically having your your life path system and i've tried using them before and what i found is that in really overly broad contexts where there's so many disparate uh things that you're trying to fit together at the same time it doesn't really work but if you have like a really narrow and focused like location or time period which you have in this particular setting then it's almost ideal so did you find that to be a lot easier in this kind of uh historical setup uh yeah for sure it definitely the survey definitely kind of expanded and contracted over the kind of design process um and yeah, I think you you nailed it. There's something about the limited scope of what the output is going to be, right? Like we're kind of interested in this bounded set of kinds of characters um, as opposed to let's make anything you want. Now let's go ahead and read through 30 options for each stage of the, you know, of, of, of right. development of the character and every 10 years they're going to take this new thing or whatever. Um, that's not what this is, uh, what, what we're doing here. So um, there's definitely some balancing of the elements uh, in terms of, you know, there's certain, for lack of a better term, builds you can do, right, for a given character. So it's kind of like, are there going to be any of these that are not fun, where you're like tracked into a corner with your resources? You only have one kind of uh, resource to find things out, or you can only do one interesting thing. I wanted to make sure that there's always at least a couple things you come out of the process with. So the devil's in the details in that case of kind of uh, playtesting and, and looking at how they interact over time. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm all about bounded play spaces. Like I'm all about bounded premises where it's like, here's what this game is about and here's what the characters do. And if you are frustrated by not being able to play the kind of character you want, you're probably going to be frustrated playing this game because it also is because the, <laughs> the reason you can't do X, Y, and Z is because that's not important for this kind of game. <laughs> so, right. uh, and that is infinitely easier than trying to make, uh, uh, and, and that's a trick, right? It's so much easier to do that than to be like, all right, here's my giant universal approach. And now I need to, make sure that everyone can do everything. And that's just, that's just too much work. Well, yeah, it also means that when you have such a niche topic that you're focused on, you can put everything into making that one topic, like the highest possible quality. You can tune the game for people that specifically like that kind of topic. Mm. Yeah. And I've, and one thing that, reliably came up through uh, play and play testing was people making characters and then feeling like they had this holistic conception of the character, like kind of coming out the other side, maybe doing one or two kind of like role-playing scenes to kind of get your feet under you. And then being like, okay, I know who this character is. Like I have this, uh, like I can envision them. I see what their deal is. I know what they're up to. Um, and that was really uh, that's when I felt like I'd kind of like gotten all the pieces together because that was really what I wanted where you kind of hit the ground with this um, as fully realized as possible, uh, you know, fictional person then, that then you're going to 
agonize over <laughs> the terrible decisions that they're going to end up having to make as you play. That is the fun part. Yeah. <laughs> can be. Another <laughs> part of the fun part can be like the historical fiction part, which has always been really tricky to work with. Like you have something that's historically accurate, but at the same time, it's fictional. Like I'm going to assume that the monsters and such that you're hunting down didn't actually exist. I mean, hopefully. So. <laughs> <laughs> as far as we as far as we know. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so that's the that's the thing. That's kind of my my approach is to ground it in the fiction, but or to ground it in the history, but then the game you are actually playing is your game and it is a fantastical weird interpretation of the reality where um the world of the dead is very close to the world of the living monsters come from those who have given into their imps and been taken over by their perversity and and turned physically into this embodiment of you know whatever their their trouble was mm -hmm. um and they create problems in the world because they're not of the world they're they're all uh, they they prey on the world. Um, they're predators, and there are no. Um, I mean, you know, grading on the scale of any individual game could go any way, depending on the players and their what they're into. But as written, the, no, the monsters are not um, noble or or have like dark allure, uh, other than maybe that is the way that they get you know, to their victims or whatever. But uh, as a piece of fiction, when you fully confront the monster in the game, that is the moment where you see the horror realized and then you are able to take the steps necessary to make it go away, to end the, the threat, however is appropriate for, for the game. And so this is all, it's a monster of the week game. It's your, you know, something, there's trouble somewhere. Uh, it's impacting people that you care about. That's part of the design is that the monsters are always uh, after uh, they, they always have someone that they're trying to get to or trying to get something from. And those people are in a web of relationships that intersects with the characters. So um, there's, there's a couple uh, stages of remove depending on how long term you're going to do your game. But at the end of the day, someone you know is going to end up being affected by the monster in a negative way. Um, and then, you know, how do you solve that? Uh, so that is, uh, you know, it, that can be as uh, kind of occult and arcane or as dirty and gritty and realistic as the, you know, quote, realistic uh, as your characters are and as you're interested in playing. Um, but yeah, that's the, the permission of the fiction. You're playing a post story. You're not playing a historical monograph. Correct. Right. But the, uh, what's interesting about it is the, the characters can also slide into that thing and become the monster. At the end. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of a, a bit of a gimmick, but one that I really like, which is the, there is an endpoint for a character where they fully are embrace their imp it's either worth it to them or because they've trod too close to the line they eventually go over um mechanically and uh when that happens 
your character, then you become the GM. Uh, if you are, you are invited to become the GM uh, for the next play cycle, the next session. And you make your old character as the new monster. And then that's playing out the end of that character's story is watching them get hunt down by their, by their former, their former colleagues. Yeah. I, I happen to run a game like that accidentally, but uh, <laughs> where, where, where the players had to hunt a former uh, ally, but uh, that, that was in dark heresy. So you can understand the, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so switching gears for a second, talk about Carrie for a little bit. I mean, besides, besides the book, what inspired you to do a game about, uh so yeah so that specifically came out of a game design contest um so that was uh oh boy uh 2005 i think um it was the early days of the uh iron game chef um contest uh which is still running uh to this day it is really kind of morphed in terms of scope and and who it's for and kind of the goal of it but um uh, yeah, but so at that time, it just, you know, the, the scene was just smaller and it was just kind of, uh, a thing that was easy for me to participate in. Um, and the theme was historical and, uh, some of the, uh, so there's a theme and ingredients. Um, and so the theme was historical, uh, and the ingredients are a set of words and the words ins- made me, I remember thinking like, okay. I'm going to do a historical game. I could do one about Vietnam because there's something I was kind of interested in. And as a uh, uh, college student um, at the time uh, had been doing some coursework and whatnot uh, as like, or you know, what's what you don't see a lot of in games like Aztec stuff. And I remember agonizing over like Vietnam or Aztec (laughs) (laughs) that game and ending up just not having a good concept for just like an Aztec game which is good because it probably would have been terrible uh, given my knowledge and ability to, to handle th- things at the time. Um, so Vietnam, way better of a choice. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so there's a very specific inspiration point for the game. Um, and then, uh, you know, I banged out a draft for the, for the competition and uh, it got some good feedback. And that was kind of enough to get me going with like, oh, I might actually have a game here. Uh, so it got revised over the next year into the original um, publication. So yeah, so it's a Vietnam game. So it is a game with no, so kind of a contrast, right? There's no fantastical elements. It's not Cthulhu in Vietnam or or wizards in Vietnam. It's like your Marines. It is uh, inspired, of course, by the things they carried and specifically the idea that uh, the um, it's impossible to tell a war story. Um, Mm -hmm. that's a theme of that book, um, where it is a book of his stories, but none of them are true, uh, which he says, uh, because telling the truth is impossible. It's the nature of, of being in war, especially that kind of war. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it's also, you know, inspired by more cinematic elements by uh, the, uh, full metal jacket and platoon. Um, and so it is. Over time, I kind of reframed it for myself. And when I talk about it as it's a it's more a game about the stories that we tell about war than about like being like it's not a game about like 
literally being in Vietnam because mm-hmm. that's just a, I don't know, like that's impossible, right? Um, but play of the game creates this the dramatic arc of you have this small group of Marines in this very scary, hostile country, and they don't some you know some don't know why they're there. Some are really excited to be there, but for the wrong reasons. Some are true patriots, like you know. However, that falls uh, splits um, amongst the characters, and then um, internal tensions make things worse and worse. So there's external pressure, but then there's the internal pressure to the squad, and that's what creates the drama of of the story is seeing it all fall apart. Um, so that's uh, 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 kind of the high level where I was coming from for that for that game. <laughs> I don't know if that gets yeah. to where you wanted to go. Well, I was I was curious about how how because so much of that game is like it feels like it arose out of the fiction of the I mean you know quote unquote the fiction of the Vietnam conflict like the mm-hmm. stories we tell about the Vietnam conflict so much of it like felt like it was organically like it didn't feel like you were trying to lay D and D over Vietnam you know <laughs> right and, and so so the, it struck me as like i had not seen something like that uh, yeah i mean so you know this is again it's it's kind of a product of its time in in certain ways um mm-hmm. because that was when um you know i was heavily involved uh, at the forge forum um where that you know a lot of that that kind of for lack of a, a better term kind of first wave of uh of self-published stuff emanated from i consider this i consider carry kind of a it's kind of more of a second wave of that but that's details that no one actually cares about um but uh a, a lot of what a lot of the energy in that community was around what is your game actually about you know the mechanics of the game should push should, should like really push people into um uh into interacting in certain ways um cut out the the fat if it's not important don't put mechanics in for it uh which a lot of that stuff was a little radical at the time now it's it's pretty i think a lot of people it's like yeah of course why else how else would you design a game (laughs) Um, uh but yeah so it, it 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 really pushes really hard into that space of the goal of the game is to is to play out this this really kind of grim, uh, I mean, grim is the wrong word, this really kind of tragic story. Um, it's not totally, like, you're not necessarily all going to, like, have a terrible ending, but many of the characters will have a terrible ending. Uh, you can play a good person, but that is just going to make it, you're going to be the counterpoint for all the terrible things that are happening. Um, right. and the And the mechanics are all organized around uh, uh, putting pressure on everyone's burdens, which are the like things they're carrying with them into the conflict that are kind of uh, core to the character. Um, and then all the fighting and stuff is handled by kind of an abstracted set of die rolls that is going to have impact on the squad. Um, but then the decision of how that impact is distributed is a player decision and it's a specific player. So like the GM is going to create conditions that um that put that put these pressures on but then the the fallout 
from the decisions made during firefights. Um, that all comes from the commanding or the ranking officer, which is the highest ranked character. Uh, and they're, so they're the one who actually literally chooses like, all right, which of the NPCs end up getting taken out? Who takes wounds from the shrapnel, et cetera, et cetera. And that again, drives more dissension amongst the characters. And it's this, uh, it's a snowball of uh, those, those uh, terrible choices. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So, immediately that makes me wonder if you're going to put like the commanding officer in charge of those kinds of things what happens if the commanding officer dies um so that game has uh up up front um uh, uh character um oh, there's a specific term that now i'm blanking on uh your characters are plot they have plot immunity um throughout the the game so um they can be uh, you can be wounded, which has a slight mechanical effect, but is a more of a narrative effect. Um, but, uh, and you, you can, uh, with player buy-in, you could choose to die as a result of mechanics or as a result of just a scene where you're like, oh no, I'm not going to fight you. You stab me to death or whatever. Right. Like that's, that's a character, that's a choice you could make. Um, but yeah, mechanically, uh, characters can't um, die until the last scene of the game. And then there's a uh, epilogue where you find out those who survive, what happens to them um, after the war, essentially. And that might also be tragic. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, so that has, I mean, it's not super elegant, but that's, you know, it has, it has a rule. Your characters can't, like you, the, the crowd, the, the squad is whittled down around you until you're the only ones left and that's the end of the game <laughs> yeah it's it's pretty that was one of the reasons i liked it <laughs> pretty, <laughs> pretty grim yeah yeah i mean that can actually be a lot darker of the story than oh your character died before their their story was finished it's that mm -hmm. oh their story finished but it it wound up in a situation where it could not finish in a good way because only the good die young. Yeah, yeah. It's a, uh, it's a. Uh, it, it can be pretty. It can be an intense game. Um, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to play lightly. Um, it doesn't mean it's totally dreary, right? Uh, like we still watch war movies for a reason, right? There's, there's, there's moments of heroism. There's the. There's the drama of seeing someone make a choice, uh, you know, that they're driven to. And like every step of the way, it seemed to be the right decision. And now you're in this terrible situation that has no good outcomes. Like those are compelling dramas. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it, it can be a little rough. <laughs> I don't think that's a bad thing, though. I think it's good that you can tell stories like that, which end up being very emotional that... You'll, they'll stick with you for a longer period of time because of how emotional they were. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. there's a place for it. Otherwise, we wouldn't have horror movies. They wouldn't exist. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's it, but it's hard to sometimes. I mean, <clears throat> that was, I think, I don't know if Carrie was the first time I saw a reference to the X card, but it might have been like, and that was. Like, I, you know, it didn't occur to me before then that that would be something that you would need. 
in an RPG, mm. you know? Yeah, the uh the original edition uh is pre pre X card uh in terms mm. of that being a formalized thing. It right. does use the language of lines and veils, um mm. in a very and it's a in a pretty pretty chunky way where it's like when you're when you're doing your character generation stuff, like let's talk about stuff that you just absolutely don't want to see in this game because it is about Vietnam and there's going to be some bad shit. Um, uh, and then the 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 revision, um, mm-hmm. I think I I added the X card uh, as a technology to aid in you know to to go along with everything else because right. we had that language at that point. Yeah. Yeah, and the lines and veils things I remember seeing on other on other games around that time. Mm-hmm. Um, the sort of driving nature of the characters in 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 these sort of RPGs. Do you find that when you're when like when you're playtesting and so forth, do players um, want to latch onto the history, or do they sort of go off on their own a little bit more? So. Sometimes sometimes players want to play the game because it's hitting on something they're into, right? So like uh, if they're into the history and that's why they're drawn to the game, um, they'll be more likely to get in the weeds with the characters um, and have specific references that they're trying to work in or specific contexts. Uh, while if it's a little more of like, this sounds like an interesting game, I want to check it out and they're not, not not interested in the history but it's just not something they're familiar with then i think uh they're more into uh, uh having the character be compelling for them to play is going to outweigh the historical concerns mm-hmm. um that's i mean that's my experience uh with with some of some of this stuff so it's like so the the potential conflict running, oh i'm sorry go ahead Sorry, so I was just going to say a potential conflict that comes up is I'm interested in playing this game because of the the, the, the premise and the mechanics or whatever. I'm going to make this character that I'm interested in playing, but because I'm not versed in the history, I've made a character that's kind of inappropriate for the historical context, right? right. Like that's the that's one of the things that comes up with historical games. Um, and so in my games, I cheat by uh, f- forcing character creation into a very narrow, linear situation so that your characters will come out appropriate to the context. Um, right. So carry is pre-generated characters, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you pick yeah. up members of the squad that I have given you and have been constructed to work together. Uh, uh, in both the reverse, as, as we were talking about, as the whole the, the survey system is doing that same thing it's forcing you down that path so that's that's how i choose to solve that problem uh i i guess um i was more referring to players as like the whole the the gm included as like how, how much does how much weight does the gm carry in the in sort of driving the historicity of the game like when because because the players are getting the survey and they're getting like they're they're um they don't need to read as much of the book do you have um how do you get the gm to sort of uh uh easily build that world around them and keep the sort of uh through line of the survey sheets going um good question uh so for for imp um 
I kind of I kind of assume and speak to the reader of the book as if they are a as as if they're they're interested in stepping into this world and there's only so much I have to do. Like it's kind of like you're already reading the book, so you're over the first hump. Um so uh, I'm going to assume that you're going to do that. You are interested in this uh, and that you're going to do kind of a good faith effort at like, what do I need to know to run this game? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then specifically, uh, right. You need to make a monster. And so the monster generation process uh, is a little similar. It's not as straightforward as the survey. It's a little as a wider scope, but it is a specific process where you answer specific questions that end up placing the monster in a web of relationships. And then you have a procedure where you uh, place um, uh, characters that have been placed the, the player's characters and their relationships into this web. Um, so that's all a procedural thing to kind of create the social context. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's just lots of, you know, pick a place, pick a time. Uh, here's, the two pages about this time, this specific time frame. If you find something inspirational here, run with it. Uh, you know, here's the big themes. Um, here's literary themes. Here's historical themes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just kind of try to be as open and inviting as possible, so that the person who is already interested has a path to follow up on whatever they kind of grab onto as like, oh, this is the cool thing. Um, that's, uh, I think as, 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 as structured as I can be with that, uh, with that idea. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like, yeah. No, I, you know? I, 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 right. It's the kind of thing, cause it's not, it's not the kind of standard GMing job of just like, I'm going to put some monsters in a bag together and then, mm. and then, and then we're going to. We're gonna mash our GI Joes together until one some of them fall over because the the idea of like you having the monster it's like it gives the mechanics give the monster gravity mm-hmm. you know like where they where they start warping the other stuff around yeah. them and like warping the players and I I find that particularly interesting because it it doesn't seem like it actually needs a lot of work from the GM to accomplish. When I so when I run the game, and I'm really the only one I can talk about because uh, I don't get to sit it in other people's heads when they run the game. Um, but I, you know, I find myself kind of, you know, I, I geek out a little bit about certain bits of the history, and mm-hmm. so I'll bring those into scenes. I'll be like, oh, okay, so you know, you want to talk to you know a, a cop or whatever. Well, you know, there's actually no organized police force in this city at this time those are a little later in the century so you know you're going to be talking to like a constable who's been uh, uh given authority by a local judge to make arrests so you know like i'll <laughs> so i'll end up doing that kind of thing uh-huh. um and that's where uh i you know try to bring a little kind of verisimilitude to how the world works in um in my games and so i kind of hope that other people who run it do a similar thing or whatever, whatever little detail they're like, Oh, this is really interesting. Uh, they'll, they'll kind of geek out about. Um, uh, 
In terms of the monsters, I think one thing that I'm pretty happy with is the example monsters that are in the book. Um, they uh, first, I mean, they, they're generally like they're suitable to kind of grab and play like you don't have to go through that whole process yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, but they also all occupy different kinds of social relationships. So you can kind of be like, OK, well, how does a monster work if you're not in a city? And there's a couple of examples of like more rural oriented creatures that you can see like, oh, this is how things work out in the countryside. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and they give a little uh, and in their write ups, they give a little background, a little context for like how they got the way they are. And that's all more historical stuff uh, that you can glom on to potentially. I don't know if that answered your question. I think I kind of started rambling. No, 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 no it's no, okay. Also, also, you had mentioned, like, you know, hoping that the GMs would get into this kind of stuff, but I think that that's almost a given. Like, people who yeah. play historical fiction in general, they tend to be, they tend to pick up that game because they're interested in that time period to begin with. So. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think it's too much of an issue, but that does get into issues with accuracy when you're writing it up in the first place, because like you see how people get insanely <laughs> picky over like World War II movies, and it's like, sure. yeah, that's the wrong helmet or jeep or gun or water canteen on the edge of the screen that you can barely see, but it didn't get produced until six months after that battle. <laughs> right. So... How picky do you really have to get with your research on this sure. so that people don't start sending you hate mail? Well, so again, my my trick is is keeping keeping things framed in terms of fiction. Um, a lot of the time, uh, like so for Imp, you know, I, I specifically kind of frame it as like you are telling a horror story set in this world, and here's all the ways that the world is different from the actual world. Uh, with, you know, the supernatural ways. Um, so like you have permission not to have to be super accurate, right? Uh, and then I also am not super detailed in terms of things like, uh, you know, there's no index of uh, period attire, right? Or something like that. Um, so uh, keeping things a little... It's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of like a flyover view with occasional dips into very specific details to kind of bring home differences in this period of time from what you might think. Um, it's a, a little bit what I try to do. But one one advantage I had is that my academic background is in history. That's my undergrad degree, um, and so doing research was actually kind of a fun getting back to something I used to do process um, and like taking notes and looking at lots of sources and finding, finding books, uh, you know, finding actual books, which is very exciting. Um, so, I, you know, I was synthesizing a lot of reading into these kind of summaries of the time. Uh, am I going to get some stuff 
wrong like probably uh if you're like a real real nitpicky about how i phrase a thing but a lot of stuff is a little bit of interpretation right like i'm Mm -hmm. i'm interpreting Mm -hmm. my research in this way uh and i think in my index or in my bibliography i kind of talk about i i have a little bit of uh historiographical uh talk where it's like here's here are my conclusions especially about stuff like westward expansion and the role of um, of, of Indian removal in in uh, the period and stuff like that, where it's kind of like I'm very distraught about the stuff that happened, so I frame it pretty strongly because it's important and terrible, and that is my read of the history. Um, <laughs> if that's not your read of the history, that's on like we just disagree. Like that's not a. Right. You know, like that's not something you can tell me I'm wrong about. Uh, right. So that's that was kind of my that's kind of my fallback. Um, yeah. For a lot of this stuff, but, but yeah, not getting super detailed was is pretty important too. That makes sense, and it's good that you have that paragraph there just to place yourself in the context of the game. Um, I'm I'm wondering. You mentioned you're looking at different resources to make sure that you got a good context um, that you had potentially used in your undergrad. Um, are there resources that you would recommend to other people as well? Um, like, were there specific sources that you were, you trusted that you knew to look for, for, um, different, I don't know, avenues, I guess, of like, um, different aspects of the, the context that you wanted to tap into that you'd do again, if you were doing another game set in a historical setting? Uh, yeah. So I think. Um, I mean, you know, I, there's a bunch of like specific books that I read or whatever, which isn't right. super helpful, but as an approach, um, especially for anything that is, uh, pre, I mean, pre-internet era really, but, um, for things that are, um, uh, definitely pre-World War II, uh, kind of, that's just the career of academics in like the sixties and seventies. Right. Uh, yeah. so um, there are books published by academic presses or by kind of, uh, offshoots of big, like, you know, kind of like a, a pop, pop history, you know, offshoots of publishers or whatever, um, that are extremely well researched, usually a little dry, uh, but well-researched, well-sourced books that are in like used bookstores for $4, um, that are about very specific things in a historical period. And that stuff hasn't changed. Like the stuff they're talking about, it's not like we've made all these great discoveries about like what people ate in the (laughs) 1830s in the last 20 years or whatever. Um, So I, so I think, so I was surprised a little bit to find that a lot of my really useful sources were these, uh, uh, not academic in the sense of like locked locked behind some kind of like paywall at some academic library, but just like literally in bookstores finding books that were published mostly in the seventies that are about. Uh, sorry if that siren's coming through here. <laughs> yeah. It right. Um, we won't edit that out either. <laughs> uh, excellent. Um, but yeah, uh, books published, um, you know, mid, mid, late, uh, 20th century about the 1800s are you, again, there might be some, we have maybe changed our interpretation of how some of this stuff went down or what it means in the historical context. 
but uh for the like here's stuff that happened or like let's look at the social conditions that led to the rise of uh jacksonian democracy as this uh embodiment of like taking the power back for the people very smart people have written books about this stuff and it's a much deeper than what you're going to get in you know wikipedia so i'd say you know go to your local library um but also like use bookstores uh in their history sections just browsing whatever your topic area is you'll find some weird stuff and it's great so what you're saying is don't just read the first two paragraphs of wikipedia but all those little <laughs> numbers and links yeah. that they say this is the reference you actually mm-hmm. go down to the bottom of the page and it lists this is the book it's from you should probably go get the book uh, also like weird niche interest websites uh, can be really helpful because they've done that research so like i found out a lot of interesting stuff about um uh, uh the development of theater um in america uh from you know some some theater program in i don't remember where it was it was in indiana or something um, like some theater programs website that had a history subsession subsection that had a really good like summary of here's how stage theater happened, you know, <laughs> after the American Revolution. I was like, oh, that's super cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, was it a really ugly site with lots of broken HTML? Yes, it was. Uh, did that matter for my purposes? No, it did not. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff huh. like uh, cooking. There are a lot of cooking websites or netting or anything related to um, things that people can make a craft themselves. Those I tend to find have really accurate uh, Mm -hmm. historical sites for them for almost any time period or location you can think of. Even stuff like music, you often find that there's really good resources for that. Like you can go back and look at what like, the greatest American sheet music hits were in like your period of time and see what people were listening to. If they had lyrics, then like that could give you good context into what was interesting mm. to people. Or... And that's, and that's really interesting stuff because it's, because like, so that, so, you know, going down that rabbit hole of music, it's like, uh, you know, some stuff that I found out, right. Is stuff like, uh, the more well-off kind of like developing merchant class in America. Everything's about like all the, all the culture comes from Europe, right? Like that's kind of the orientation. So they're importing music masters from Europe to teach their children how to sing and play uh, the piano, pianoforte, uh, the little pianos, I believe. Um, uh and that's as like that's the cult that's the educated cultured way to learn music while uh if you're not of that class uh you're mostly singing um or playing violin um uh because uh or you know more fiddle but you know they're violins um in both violin and fiddle kind of style because that's what like poor people have <laughs> uh right. and also like singing is really important in the in various uh, religious uh, observations and so the role of singing in small small towns is also you know bringing people together for religious purposes but then mm-hmm. they're going off for other social groups and they're singing there too so it's this whole snowball right of like what is the specific little aspect of historical culture what does that tell us about 
you know, if you're playing a character of a certain of of a more upper class family in a city, mm-hmm. you know, you're gonna know more. Uh, you're going to be more interested or you're going to have more context for like balls and chamber music versus if you're not, then you probably sing. Uh, That's character stuff. It's almost like singing is a little bit cheaper than buying a harpsichord. Exactly. Exactly. But then it starts falling out of uh, as recorded, you know, as sheet music starts, you know, being more of a thing, singing becomes more and more specialized because, uh, more people can listen to someone go play the recorded music. Uh, and that also has a relationship to the, to the changing, uh, uh, the, the changing ways that like uh, religious services are being caught are being uh, uh, observed. Um, so yeah, it's, it's all like, it's, it can go following that track takes you into interesting places. It's, it's cool, too, as a tool just to help your players immerse themselves in the setting because these are things that, you know, everyone has these kind of special interests and that whether it's like, oh, I'm a theater kid and I'm really curious about the history of it or I'm a musician and that's something that draws, that, can, that I'm curious about that speaks to me, it gives you sort of ins to the cultural background of where you're setting your game um, and can let you draw from these different aspects. Yeah, for sure. And I always encourage people to like uh to to be like, "Oh, I wonder how X works." Like uh, take yeah. take the 20 minutes to just like look it up. Like you don't have to, you know, go find that historical monograph. Like this is where like Wikipedia is fine. Um just to give you the things that maybe you didn't know and give you the sources to if you want to do that deep dive, but like yeah, like I ran a game where some, there was a musician was one of the characters and we were like, "So what would you play?" And we ended up, uh, he ended up deciding that he did play a, a guitar, but that was like, that meant he was like real weird, right? Like people don't, mm-hmm. like, people didn't know, like people didn't see guitars. So he was an inter- he was an attraction. He was a traveling attraction because he played this instrument that other people didn't play. And that also mm-hmm. placed him a little outside of, you know, the mainstream, right? And that's, mm-hmm. you know, helpful for his, his character. Um, so, you know, yeah, it's good stuff. I, I had another question, but it's more of a technical, I guess. How, okay, in Emperor the Purse, how the hell do you write paragraphs so that they exactly take up the page? The layout <laughs> is like, it's so precise. <laughs> well, I, I have the advantage of, uh, of also doing the layout for my own work. So uh, I do a lot. Yeah, so I'm a, a copy fitting uh, is, is the term. Um, mm-hmm. As I as I do the layout, I will I will uh, edit paragraphs so that they sit correctly <laughs> on a page. Yeah, that's um, how I do it too. I was just wondering if there was a special technique. <laughs> like, uh, no, I mean, I th- I think there is. I mean, there is something to uh, like. This is more art than science, but the rhythm of the writing is a better or worse match for you know the layout um like the mm-hmm. the the size and and you know the uh size and proportions so um in the layout process because i did the because <clears throat> i did like the play test like i mean i did a, like a play test pdf that was more arbitrary but then i i did kind of a, a longer um 
preview playtest PDF mm -hmm. that was at that this trim size. Um, so I got to kind of uh, uh, see how it was all falling in uh, at this size and at this proportion. Um, mm -hmm. And that kind of informed the rhythm of the writing a little bit. Like I could kind of see like, oh, this paragraphs that are about this long, I, two of them fit on a page. So uh, trying to keep the writing to give me paragraphs about that long, just visually um, mm -hmm. in my manuscript. So that's, I, I was able to use the going back and forth from playtest stuff to manuscript, to look at the playtest, to look at the, the layout as I got into it to uh, smooth that. So there wasn't like a, um, so there wasn't like a ton of, uh, uh, arbitrary stuff that I had to change as we went. Right. Right. Cause, cause I mean, so, so I do the same thing. I write, I tend to write in layout and, mm. uh, everybody tells me not to do that. <laughs> so I was yeah, but it makes it, but it's so much easier. I know. <laughs> um, yeah. You're not I mean, supposed to do that. <laughs> for this, I did have a separate work or uh, i did have a separate manuscript because uh to work with the editor um so i did kind of keep everything a little loose until i got that back but then post <clears throat> but then with the, the the post edited text as i saw how it was sitting in the layout i then made more changes yeah <laughs> yeah but like how much how much was that like how much did you do after was it like a um, lot oh no not a lot more more like all right i need to get three words out of this Paragraph oh, okay. Okay. Um, and a little bit of uh, uh, a little bit of like, okay, um, this chapter break is falling in a weird place. I need to either cut a page or add two pages. Like, how do I, you know, right? Like that kind of stuff. But that's not. Uh, I wasn't like rewriting what the editor had uh, or edited, <laughs> and then you know, right. Uh, and then there was some proofreading and stuff, but yeah, yeah. I feel like no, I have a tendency to do that. So yeah. I gotta, yep. <laughs> but no, writing, yeah, writing directly in layout is just like, it It just makes, it's just so much easier. Uh, you just need to make sure you know where, that there's a spell check function in your layout program. I promise you. Yeah. Good to know people. Mm -hmm. yep. Command, <laughs> Command I and in InDesign, it's your friend. Yeah. Yeah, that's, 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 that's a handy one for sure. Um. Mm -hmm. So we just did an hour. Uh, right. You want, you want to keep going? Um, I mean, I'm. Uh, if you have more questions or, or top, topics, I don't know. I feel like I've been talking a lot. I don't know if there's anything in particular that I've kind of blown past or that you wanted to have more of a conversation about. Um, um, I mean, I was just kind of asking more about the book, but like what's interesting about Imp to me is that I, I like in my game addresses so many of the same themes that when I got it, like it was kind of like, oh, oh. I've been scooped, but <laughs> it's, but it's, it's, a, it's a totally different, well, it's a different setting one. There's more, it's, it's, it's almost more of a D and D ish, um, magical fantasy type stuff. But like the, the, a lot of the, the mechanics in terms of, um, creating a web and the, the um the way the players choices are so much of what ultimately drives the narrative um and how how the care how um 
the antagonists have gravity in term in the story. They're not like a destination on a map, but they are something that warps the story around the players that the players then need to figure out. And um, it was just an interesting, it was just the way you did it. And even like the survey stuff, I have like this, this thing where there's an opening of the game where the characters, the, the guide sort of asks questions and, and prompts the characters to sort of start playing their, start playing their characters and build the characters as they play them. Oh, and, cool. um, but the, I was trying to figure out how to bootstrap the, the setting and the surveys is like exactly the sort of tool I was looking for. So like a, a lot of the game is like laying out a nice pathway for me to, I don't want to say steal the mechanics, but that's, I mean, basically steal whatever, whatever right. you got to steal. <laughs> like it's going to be different because it's your game, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, can I ask you a question? Sure. Yeah. Uh, the, the, like, uh, asking questions to kind of build the characters. Are those free form? Is that the GM coming or the guide or, or what have you coming up with those or is the, are those, uh, prompts given by the game? They're, they are prompts given by the game. Um, they are a little more open-ended. Uh, so, um, in in the game, every character sort of wakes up in in the middle of the apocalypse, uh, having survived and being uh, mm -hmm. uh, gifted or cursed with a the ability to see the threads of fate, and so they can literally like touch the threads of their own story and and manipulate them. So that's kind of what the game's about. But the um, the opening like sort of scaffolds the magical world that sort of preceded the apocalypse, and so. Mm -hmm. um, your characters part of what the players are doing are deciding where their characters were and who they were beforehand but discovering that somewhat organically so there's some survey i don't know the problem is i don't know exactly how much is too much in the beginning yeah so yeah because um, you don't want that to be like a grind like a like a, a creatively exhausting right. process yeah, yeah if i can nail it down in like fewer than six questions i feel like that'll be good um, yeah but like that's it's still sort of like i haven't figured out exactly how to point the questions in the exact right direction for maximum impact so i'm still working on that and because yeah those are where like those questions can be where you seed in some of the uh specific you know historical or or genre or setting knowledge right, right? like yeah. the the questions can carry with them information about like you know mm -hmm. you all you know you obviously know this because this is how the world works but how do you do that you know those kinds of um yeah, yeah point pointing them in the in those directions as you say yeah mm -hmm. that's cool yeah, yeah. I, it's one of those things that like really it in, in getting the players to become invested in in the game like i find really effective <laughs> absolutely and especially in ways where you get to focus in on exactly what the players care about as well, um, or giving the tool, building the tool into the game such that the GM knows where to focus their attention. I think that's a really good mechanic to, to play with. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You're, um, how, yeah, like how do all these, how do these different techniques, um, offer offer the player something to build off of versus right. like all right here's 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 a big field of anything you know make a choice and that mm -hmm. can be very intimidating and, and creatively exhausting after you do it two or three times 
so it's kind of like balancing the how much how much can you hand hand someone so it's not overwhelming but it is inspirational that's the the trick yeah where do you feel the sweet spot is for that Uh, i mean uh, it kind of depends on the game a little bit because if 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 you have a game that 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 uh requires more specific shared knowledge perhaps then you might need to be a little more heavy-handed with making sure that everyone knows those things right um uh i mean i i i try i have a philosophy where i kind of trust that players are excited to play and are going to do and are, and are going to get like are going to do a a are are going to be receptive to um to to pushing into the places where they find themselves drawn if that makes sense like i don't i think it's a losing battle to be like all right how do i force people to play this game yeah. <laughs> right? Right. um right. so in in that sense, I think you can generally be a little lighter touched than you think you have to be. Mm. Um, because people will, will, you can trust people to kind of do the, do the extra work if they really need to. Um, and then you're not weighting people down with a lot of reading, a lot of keep all these things in your head. Uh, so which doesn't really answer your question. Um, it, <laughs> it's it's. I well, mean, for I me, mean, it kind of does. <laughs> there's mean, a little it, bit of. I mean, it's clearly a process. Yeah. Yeah. Some of it. I mean, it comes out of uh, if, if you're able to to play test um, with a couple different kind like kinds of people, like mm-hmm. people of different uh, different things they like about games, that can really help because you can kind of see a sweet spot where the person who just wants to get to play can just go boom, boom, boom. All right, let's go. And then the person who's like, I really want to think about every choice and make sure that like what I'm doing is, is like integrated with my concept and is makes sense. And let's talk about it. Like there is a bit of a sweet spot there where the person who just wants to get to play can hang with the person who wants to take a long time and make all the right choices. And Mm -hmm. they're kind of building on each other and they're not like, being impatient or being a drag. <laughs> right. Uh, right. Yeah. So if you're able to do that, that helps. Yeah. There is I this kind of idea in information uh, design um, and kind of the world of kind of like UI and stuff, but uh, that um, people uh, generally have trouble keeping more than like keeping more than like four or five things in their head at a time, like individual pieces of information. Um, and that, excuse me. And that, uh, giving someone more than, uh, uh, like giving someone more than about six or seven choices, um, gets uh they they start to the the differences between them start to become meaningless specifically if you're like rank something on a scale like one to seven is actually easier for people to differentiate between each point than one to ten like what's the difference between seven and eight Mm -hmm. um 
So I kind of, those are kind of things that I keep in mind. Uh, Cause it's like, all right, how many choices am I asking you to make in a row? Um, the surveys are like, uh, technically there's like eight, I think, but a couple of them are more fictional, like, or more like, you know, are, are, are more like pick one, pick A or B. And then some of them are like, all right, you need to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's the kind of thing where you don't want to have, I feel like the, the A or B ones are, are, are like a nice, like mental break from mm -hmm. the come up with scratch built thing. Whereas like, if you have like a player, like here's one of three choices and they're all pretty distinct, then, you know, I want to pick the more intellectual option or the more social option or the more physical option. Like that's, that's a way to break it down or, or, um, you know, there's, there's all kinds of triangles that you can sort of right. utilize. Um, the general, like the, uh, you'll, you'll see that pattern in, um, uh, in apocalypse world, right? Like yeah. how many choices do you really make when you pick up a playbook? Like there's so much loaded onto the sheet that you don't need to think about that the choices are, you can actually parse and, uh, you know, get through it pretty quick. And then you have, you know, fun. Yeah. One of the great things I'm great of Apocalypse World is the playbook and having having all the choices right like the players so they don't have to do a lot of cross referencing and looking up when they're when they're making their character. I think is a really good good move. Um yeah. Cool, we did it. We solved the problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We we have one. We win. Yeah, experience for all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Any uh, any final questions? Anybody besides me? I feel like I've been talking a bunch. Well, no, I think that you um, did a great I... job in covering. I think most of the stuff that we wanted to touch on with historical games. So I think that works out nicely. Yeah, yeah I actually found it really frustrating. The first like fifteen minutes, like any question I was going to ask you. Ian before i was able to yeah, <laughs> yeah good job it was definitely one of those episodes where basically <laughs> between rob and the guest we said everything we needed to say um i guess there's just uh like kind of a a little to put a little button on on this stuff, maybe in case it didn't come across, uh, I just want to be be sure to say that uh, I think a, a lot of the key to the you know how how do I communicate the history? How do I make this engaging and welcoming to people who may not know about it? Is to uh, what you're doing is you're being like I really think this is interesting. I'm really excited about this. I want to share it with you. Um, as opposed to like, now you need to learn about it. And I don't, I don't know if that's a hard distinction, but I don't know. I, I, what I tried to do with, with, with how I wrote the book for Into the Perverse in particular was kind of like, here are all these things that I think are really interesting. And I think you will find helpful, whatever in here works, run with it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't, I don't want or expect you to remember or read every single word of all the history but like skim it and i promise you you'll find something that you're like oh that's interesting and then put that in your game and 
you're good. Like, that's all you need to do. Uh, there's no police that are going to come to you and say, like, you didn't do it well enough. Um, so just, I don't know, be inviting about the thing that is making you excited to make and share the game. And th- people will meet you on that on that level. That's really good advice. Oh, that's going to save me a fortune on Hitman. Could you imagine sending people to people's houses and making sure that you're playing your game right? That's that's weird. (laughs) And if there's like a gamer enforcement like business model, maybe there where you can (laughs) contract those guys out to all the historical game designers, that's where the real money is. Hear that? (laughs) Let's all right. Dark web business (laughs) (laughs) 2.0. Bitcoin only. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, okay. Now that we've just now that we're now now that we're a full fledged criminal conspiracy uh, in public, uh, I think that's probably a good place to stop the episode before we commit more crimes. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Is that a crime in Canada? How many of you need to is, be is in a place? Is Bitcoin a crime you? in Canada? I mean, I don't no. Know. Bitcoin is not a crime. No. <laughs> Technically, no, because that would qualify for if you're running like a board game. Like, if if that's the case, then people like uh, Games Workshop are in serious trouble. <laughs> All right, good. Oh, Canada. <laughs> well, thanks so much for having me on. This was and, thanks for letting yeah. me expound on on game stuff. It's uh, always a pleasure. That's that's yeah. what we do. Uh, yeah. yeah. So thank you for joining us for this one. Yeah. Thank you very much for coming on. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was fun to talk to you about imp, which is, I'm still digging into, I hope to get to run it. It's kind of, it's, uh, it's kind of a hard sell <laughs> for, for, for my group. So, yeah. uh, I'm going to keep working on them, but yeah, well, it, 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 monster hunting in Edgar Allan Poe times. I think I can, I can sling that. Yeah, con- concentrate on the monster hunting. Let the history just kind of trail along behind. It'll be fine. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, all, it's always nice to have someone interesting to talk to and, you know, share marshmallows roasting over an open <laughs> dumpster fire. Mm. This wasn't too much of a dumpster fire this episode. Barry. There was only like, you know, 15 minutes of technical difficulty in the beginning. <laughs> really uh... under par for us. Yeah, and and I would like to point out that we did most of that 15 minutes before our official start time. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> nice. Yeah, All right, so... Time, though, we're still running on our backup recording bot because the main one died halfway through. That's why we had the backup. Fantastic. Yeah, th- th- that doesn't even count as a problem. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm not, not editing this later. Kajrish, all right. I'm going to the outro. All right. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Flow Forward for Catrice, Kevoir, Mark, Nathan, and myself, Rob. Good night, because it is always night where you are. Night. Good night. 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 Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, or not, we're not picky. Leave us a review on iTunes or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, and uh, and Pornhub. Because why not? Got to go where your audience is, right? Good night, everyone. <laughs>